It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This episode of the Yankees Magazine Podcast is brought to you by MLB at Bat. Yankees baseball is always live with MLB at Bat. Follow the action with game tracking and video highlights, along with up-to-the-moment stats, standings, breaking news, and more. Download MLB at Bat today in the Apple App Store or Google Play. It's your number one app for Yankees baseball. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Yankees Magazine Podcast. I'm John Schwartz. I'm the deputy editor of Yankees Magazine. With me right now, we have our executive editor, Nathan Makaborski. Hello, everybody. Nate, how you doing? I'm good. A little, little quiet around here. It is a little quiet around here. It's December. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we're a little bit out before the winter meetings. We just came off the first snow in the New York area, so if you're one of our listeners from out of town, you... Uh, Probably didn't have to shovel this week, or maybe you did, because that thing kind of spanned the entire country for a certain amount of time. But this is a good time before we get started on this week's episode to talk about two things that we want to keep at the top of your minds. First off, as we've mentioned a few times here, next episode will finally be our Yankees Magazine podcast mailbag episode. We've uh, received some some excellent emails to podcast at yankees.com keep them coming we've got some great questions already and if if we read one of your letters uh on the next episode you'll be uh eligible for two tickets for a a yankees game next year which is pretty cool it's pretty awesome just go ahead and like nate said email podcast at yankees.com here is one example of a question we've gotten we're not going to talk about our answers to it yet or we may not even you know depending on how many we get it might not be even be one that we discuss next time but it's a great question question is after 2020, Hap, Paxson, and Tanaka hit free agency, giving way to some rotation uncertainty. Adding 355 to Tanaka's 23 million due for 2020 would lower his luxury tax hit for 2020 by 3.5 million and lock in some certainty to the starting rotation for seasons to come. He has been mostly mediocre in the regular season, which keeps his earning potential down. But he is the guy I want to give the ball to in the playoffs. Great job of the pod. First off, thank you for saying great job of the pod. I feel a little bad because I think this should be directed to the Yankees front office and not Yankees <laughs> magazine because there's nothing we can do about this. But certainly, it, it, it's a great launching point for a discussion, which I'm really looking forward to having two weeks from now when we do this episode. So please, like I said, send us the emails, podcast at yankees.com. If we read your question on the air, you will get two free tickets to a select 2020 game. There's absolutely no reason not to email us. That's number one. Number two, it's December. It's the holiday season. I'm not going to sing this time, but if you head to yankees.com slash publications, you can already see the first of our Yankees Magazine holiday specials. It is a great deal. It gets you a subscription to Yankees Magazine plus tickets for next year. You are not going to find a better deal on tickets to Yankee Stadium in 2020, I assure you. So if you want to go to a game, go to yankees.com slash publications. You got your two tickets. 
and you're going to get a subscription to Yankees Magazine at the same time. So go ahead and do that. Keep checking back over the course of the month. We're going to have a lot more offers going up there. Follow us on Twitter at Yanks Magazine, and we'll alert you when some of that stuff goes live. Yeah, even if you can't use the tickets yourself, you know, they might make for a nice gift for somebody down the line. But, you know, treat yourself to a one-year subscription to Yankees Magazine. You know, I think you'll enjoy it. Nate, I don't know about you, but all this talk about our holiday specials and our end-of-season mailbag stuff coming off the absolute assault of Black Friday, Cyber Monday advertisements in which every company you've ever interacted with in any point in your life sends you somewhere between five and 150,000 emails. It does seem like, you know, gift giving is kind of on people's minds right now. I think that if I know Yankees fans, a bunch of them have a pretty, uh, pretty robust Christmas list right now, holiday mm-hmm. list, Hanukkah list, whatever you want to call it, of things they're looking for. I thought it might be a fun idea if we kind of gave our own little wish list for what we're asking for from Santa Cashman this year. <laughs> do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? What do you think makes the most sense here? Look, the the news reports this week are that the Yankees are, are meeting with Garrett Cole and with Steven Strasburg. Obviously, there, there's not a team in baseball who, who wouldn't like to have either one of those guys in their rotation. So <laughs> count me in as saying, uh, sure, come on, let, let's get both. <laughs> but uh, you know, we just got to wait and see. I mean, we, we see how slow these things are to develop sometimes. And honestly, I mean, look, if we don't get either one of those guys, like there's a lot of arms in our rotation to be excited about next year. You know, I th- thought these guys availed themselves pretty well this year. Solid veteran group. Um, if Severino can come back and, and return to form, that's like adding, you know, a top caliber guy. And we've got some arms coming down the pike, too. Uh, you know, the, the, the Davy Garcia's and the Michael Kings of the world. There's a couple other guys down there, too, that, you know, we got Jordan Montgomery working his way back. So pitching is always kind of the first thing that my mind goes to when I think about, you know, a wish list, uh, especially with the big names that are out there this offseason. But we'll see what happens. I think that's a great call. The guys you mentioned. I spent some time, as we discussed, with David Garcia last year, and I I don't know. I'm not a, a scout. I don't have the eye of a scout or anything like that, you know, to say this guy's stuff will or will not translate. Like, I, I, I don't know. Um, I watched him pitch a couple of double-A games, a couple triple-A games, and he looked good. As a, as a guy, as a guy in that room, he seems to me like someone, I think I know that room pretty well, and he seems like he's this personality that's going to fit in there really well and that Yankees fans are going to like a lot. So I hope we do see him kind of early. Another guy I'm fascinated by right now, just because of how good he's been in so little time, is Clark Schmidt. Mm. You might remember he was uh, drafted by the Yankees on the heels of a Tommy John surgery. He was actually out for his first professional year, recovering from it, which probably pushed down his value a little bit, but the Yankees still pounced on him, I believe, out of South Carolina, if I'm not mistaken. Um, He probably would have gone higher if not for the surgery. Ever since turning pro, he has just been a guy. Um, so I think next year could be a big year for him to make a, a jump. I don't assume at all that he's ready yet, but you know, people start, are, are kind of putting a 2020 ETA on him in some circles, and I think that's an interesting guy to watch for. So that's a good call, starting pitching. I'm going to go a little bit differently for my uh, the top of my list. You know what I want? I want a quick resolution. I don't want to wait till the middle of spring training to know what what's happening with these guys. It was... <laughs> You know, obviously the Yankees, you know, went through without getting any of the big, huge free agent prizes last year, but just for the entire league, for every fan base, have to wait and wait and wait until the middle of spring training to see that stuff get resolved. It was just a bummer for everybody. I want a quick resolution this year. I want to know that 
long before we get ready to go down to Tampa. We're ready with our spring issue. We know who's going on our yearbook cover, all these things. So whatever happens, let's just get quick resolutions to the 2020 holiday or 2019 holiday shopping season. Yes, I'm I'm sure the baseball operations department is listening to this podcast and saying, we better make our moves now (laughs) (laughs) to help John out. (laughs) Maybe they just didn't know last year. Maybe that was the problem. (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, I think that was, uh, it was time well spent. You know, the moves that they did end up waiting to make, uh, most of them paid off uh, pretty handsomely in in 2019. So I'm with you. It would be nice if we could get some resolution early, but I don't question those guys down there. I think they they've kind of proven that they know what they're doing. So if they need a a little extra time to uh, decide who to pull the trigger on and and who not to, then uh, I think I can live with that. And the thing is, you know, when I look back at the 2018 to 19 offseason, there's two moves that will always be linked in my mind. uh, And that is, you know, James Paxton, who, you know, that trade came out of nowhere, obviously, for a lot of people. And right away, you looked at it and just like, wow, you know, if, if he turns out to be the guy we expect, like, oh, my God. And, you know, there, there was a little bit of an adjustment period. And then I think for most of the second half, I'm not sure everyone necessarily realized just how good he was until the, you know, that streak and everything like that got especially gaudy and you started realizing it. And, you know, that moment in uh, game five against the Astros is going to stand with a lot of people for a long time, you know, sending Boone back to the dugout. Mm-hmm. That was pretty cool. The second move that, as I said, is linked with me is I was actually uh, out in Wisconsin doing a story on Paxton the day that we signed DJ LeMahieu. Mm-hmm. Again, totally out of nowhere. Again, you know, okay, he's a good baseball player, but not really what, you know, the fans were looking for in that moment. And then, oh my God. So, you know, if there's one thing that Brian Cashman has earned over the years, it's the absolute benefit of the doubt that he has been in the past, you know, comfortable shopping in the, top shelf but uh even when he kind of looks around more of the store maybe he, he's good at finding the value too absolutely you know last off season, everybody was wondering where harper and machado were gonna land and which of those guys were coming to new york and uh i mean it's just so remarkable how the third base situation shook out for the yankees this year you know thinking that Miguel Andujar is going to come back and have this, you know, follow up his monster rookie year with another great season. And then, you know, he gets hurt nearly right away. But Gio Urshela is right there waiting in the wings. So you're right. When uh, when they do kind of go and dig a little deeper, they're, they're really able to unearth, unearth some gems. So, you know, I'm interested to see how the offseason shakes out because <laughs> because of moves like that, they're probably going to acquire some guy who's not even on our radar right now who could end up being a huge contributor in 2020. Speaking of maybe some of the guys, you know, on the on the top end of the list who don't always work out the way you hope for. And I, I just can't stress enough that I'm really not here for a lot of the jokes and a lot of, you know, the mocking. But it, it was literally as we were recording the last episode, as I was talking to Brian Hoke for the last episode that the news about. Uh, Jacoby Ellsbury dropped. So I'm going to put number two on my wish list, a happy ending for Greg Bird and Jacoby Ellsbury, because it's hard, man. Like, I, and I, I'm not trying to sound like an apologist and I'm not trying to sound like, you know, I'm doing PR for these guys, but it just, it's really hard to be a major league baseball player and to stick at it. And Bird's younger. You assume there's more left for him. Ellsbury may be happy to just walk away at this point, but I, I've never bought the idea that Ellsbury wasn't trying to get back into the field or didn't want to get back on the field. And the, the thing that will always stick to, out to me about Ellsbury is having spent some time when he did a camp for um, Native American youth, he was very easy for Yankees fans kind of to 
go after a little bit. And, you know, Twitter was certainly not very pleasant after he got cut. Let me assure you, I saw how much of a hero he was to a lot of kids from communities that are really struggling to see any bright spots and to see hope for their kids. I watched parents kind of lose it as they watched this here in the Navajo community um, work with their individual kids. And, you know, that that's something that stays with me. And I really hope that he's made a lot of money. He's got a beautiful family. If he decides he's done, good for him. But, you know, I, I think the jokes were probably enough. I don't know if we needed it. Yeah, that was a really impactful story that you wrote. What was that, 2015, somewhere around there? I think it was the winter of 2017 when I went out there. Oh, was it? Yeah. All right. So folks who uh, who read Yankees Magazine, that's what we try and deliver. You know, There's uh, a plethora of coverage about this team out there, but we strive to, to bring stories that uh, you don't necessarily read about a whole lot or to the extent or depth that we do. So 2020, I'm sure uh, we'll have more the same in store for readers. What about what's next on your list? What are you asking for? Well, you know, I think the one thing that's kind of looming in the in the back of everyone's mind is some sort of resolution about the accusations about the Houston Astros and whatnot. So I guess I would just say uh, I hope for a, a fair playing field in 2020. Let's uh, get to the bottom of, of things, and you know, whether you're a, a Yankees fan or not, or a fan of another team. I mean, everybody wants to see our, our game healthy and, and in a good spot. You don't want to hear stuff about cheating going on. It's never good. So I would hope that the details will emerge. And if anybody's, you know, needs to be held accountable, that they will be. And that, uh, you know, that sort of thing can, can be put behind us in 2020. So I'm going to throw a little bit of a curveball at you because I don't want that to be put behind us in 2020. What I want is rage. What I want is, you know, actual real rivalries back at the stadium. I'm not naive about, you know, a Wednesday night regular season game. It's it's not going to feel like game five of the ALCS, and I get that. But what I want is for you to be sensing for two weeks leading up to the fact that the Astros are about to come to town or that the Red Sox are about to come to town. You know, my favorite thing about Carlos Beltran becoming the manager of the Mets is I hope he pulls some way of becoming a heel to Yankees fans. Like I, I want, you know, these rivalries to be juicy. I love, love, love nothing more than even if they lost the series, then Aaron Judge walking past the Red Sox clubhouse with New York, New York blaring. Like, this is fun. This is a fun game. And I want I want the Yankees and Red Sox not to have a beanball war because I hate that stuff. But I want there to be actual hatred when the two teams talk about each other. I want Yankees and Red Sox to be the thing that 18, 18 times or 19 times this year that's just it's going to fire you up again. Not with ESPN trying to pretend that everyone all over the world should care about it because I don't think that's the case. And I know that people in LA or whatever get pretty sick of watching Yankees Red Sox games, but I want, I want Yankees fans to know the next time Boston's coming to the stadium and vice versa. So I want fire in these rivalries. Mm -hmm. And if that's because the Astros are trying to get some sort of weird advantage or whatever, if that's what it takes, then so be it. Well, I think the Yankees Astros rivalry is definitely building you know, uh, <laughs> my son is eight years old and he told me recently that he hates the Astros. And I was like, that's kind of funny. You know, like when I was eight, I probably hated the Red Sox and he's been paying attention to baseball for the last few years. And to him, the Astros are our chief rivals. But, you know, that's the funny thing about this sport. And that's what I love about it, because it is a regional sport in a lot of ways. But, you know, those regional things as a Yankees fan, 
Yeah, you're talking about the Red Sox. I bet fans 10 years older than you, though, have this weird hatred for the Royals still, which you don't really understand. But that was the thing for a little while was Yankees Royals and things like that. And that's awesome. I love that there's this generation of Yankees fans who hate the Astros. Like, I think that's perfect for the sport. Uh, I'm with you. I, I mean, the more uh, passion that we see in the stands and... Uh maybe even on the field a little bit is uh, also good for the game. Although I will say if <laughs> Carlos Beltran becomes a heel in any way, shape or form, that'll be quite an upset. <laughs> it will be, it, it would be unexpected for sure. You know, again, let me stress here. I don't want beanball wars. Don't throw beer at, you know, the Astros fans who come to the stadium or anything like that, you know, good natured ribbing, what have you, but like, let's keep these rivalries. Let's, let, let's go, let's go beyond the three times the Red Sox come to town, kind of a, you know, of course we're rivals, sure we'll show up and sell out, but whatever. Like, let's hear your actual like, playoff atmospheres a couple more times a year. That's what I want. Mm. Maybe a lot to ask, but. <laughs> <laughs> so what else, John? What else you got? I feel like you've, you you have specific things on your baseball wish list this offseason. I'm pretty needy. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, you know what else is, uh, this is a, another personal one for me. I'd like to see Thurman Munson get into the Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. and that's going to come down one way or the other next week during the winter meetings. It took me a long time to get there on this one. A lot of listeners probably know I spent a lot of time this past year researching Thurman, really spending a lot of time kind of in his brain and talking with his kids and his wife, Diana, and people who knew him and people who are around to experience what his legacy was. And I, I know that you know my mind was turned around, not just in terms of I had an idea of what a guy he was and what a leader he was. And I'll be honest, it, it, it wasn't always so positive. I kind of thought he was mostly a bully who was beloved for maybe some things that weren't always the right reasons. And the more I learned about him this year and the more I saw both statistically what he did in those years when he was healthy, but also the impact he had on the team and the guys around him, it, it becomes harder and harder for me to ignore it. And I believe, and I'm Sorry if I'm giving credit to the wrong person here, but I believe it was Jay Jaffe who finally put me over the edge and convinced me. It's something I read by him where he was talking that if you're suggesting that he doesn't have the longevity, then what you're saying is that players should be rewarded more for the decline of their career than for the peak of their career. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a really fair point. Like you're you're say, if you say he didn't have the longevity to be in there, what you're saying is that you wanted more years of him being like on on the road to mediocrity and that makes him a hall of famer somehow instead of saying you know when this guy was at his peak who he actually was and which one of these two things should we be rewarding in a sense with a hall of fame plaque uh and and that really did it for me yeah and it, it wasn't a short career you know he played what 11 seasons 12 seasons something like that but if the idea is if he played five more seasons would he be a definite hall of famer most people would say yes hmm. well what would those five seasons that you want to see from him look like though no, I think uh, based on statistics alone, I, I, I think he certainly merits inclusion. I'm, and, you know, to me, when I think about visiting, you know, the Hall of Fame and, and reading about the players and reading those plaques on the wall, like to me, Thurman Munson would not look out of place there. I think he deserves to be there. So I really don't think, you know, there would be much pushback from people oh you know how could you put Thurman Munson in like I don't think that would be the case he wouldn't be the bottom he he wouldn't be at the bottom of the caliber of Hall of Famer yeah you know one thing and and you know I think about this every year as we get near you know the late January period when they you know name the Hall of Famers that ever wants to have their fights about who's going to be in and who's not I do like to urge people to remember that whatever happens 
with Thurman Munson here. The plaque gallery is one room in a museum in Cooperstown. The Baseball Hall of Fame does a really, really great job, both in the museum, in its collection, and online, of celebrating the entire game. It's not just about the guys in the plaque gallery. And frankly, we're all smart enough to not need to see a plaque there to take the effort to learn about Thurman and, and to do things about all these players. If there's a player who you really think should be a Hall of Famer, you probably are doing the wrong thing if you're letting a bunch of voters you've never met be the ones who make the decision for you if this guy is worth celebrating in that way. You know, the example that I always go back to, and this isn't exactly the Hall of Fame, but I think it applies, is the Armando Galarraga perfect game. When, you know, people were wondering what should happen with the record books here and what do you do about this? And like the obvious answer is, if you change the record book, he becomes one of what is it, 22 guys who've thrown a perfect game? If you don't, he stands alone. And mm-hmm. you're smart enough to remember what that moment was. Yeah. It's way more interesting to remember history as it is than to force other people to, you know, make history kind of hew in the direction you want it to go. So, again, you know, we'll know by the, a couple of days after you listen to this if Thurman's in this year. I don't necessarily have a read on it, obviously, but I would just say, you know, one way or the other, I, I now, having spent this time really studying on him, I'm glad I know more about him. I encourage everybody not just to read the Yankees magazine story we did about him in August, but to do it yourself. And any player who you hold a candle for or whatever, you know, whatever anyone else decides about whether he's a Hall of Famer or not, you could celebrate him all, all the more still. He passed away the year I was born, so I didn't get a chance to see Thurman Munson play. My guy growing up was always Don Mattingly, who was on the same ballot as Thurman this year. And then, you know, I always thought that Donnie Baseball would be my guy forever and ever, but then... When I was 17, a uh, rookie comes along named Derek Jeter and, you know, got to watch his entire career here. So literally here for the last uh, however many years, five, six years of it, too. All right. So, you know, Jeter and Mattingly are kind of one and one A for me. And obviously, Derek Jeter is going to go into the Hall of Fame next year. No questions asked. So there's actually the potential for three former Yankees captains to go in to the Hall of Fame in the same weekend. I know it's a long shot, especially with the other two guys, but that would be that would be something for Yankees fans. So, I don't know. I feel like I feel like I've asked a lot. I don't know. You have anything you have anything else that you uh are clamoring for this year? Uh, I've kind of got football on the brain, you know. We're we're kind of knee deep in in pinstripe bowl preparations and uh we had a great game here at Yankee Stadium just a couple of weeks ago uh between Princeton and Dartmouth. Being around a lot of family and friends this past week for Thanksgiving and stuff like that. I mean, all anybody wanted to talk about was Greg Schiano coming back to Rutgers. So um, I have a lot of football feelings, and I guess I would wish for uh, just a, a smooth month here as we uh, wrap up the Pinstripe Bowl program and get ready for the 10th annual college football bowl game here at Yankee Stadium at the end of the month. Again, this will come out Thursday, and the bowl announcements will be made on Sunday. It'll be interesting to see who we get here. The one thing I always want from the Pinstripe Bowl is that you get fans who want to come here, in a sense. You don't want a team that isn't excited to be here. And and, and in my six years, I think, covering the game, you've seen the difference. You've seen, you know, I always go back to Indiana. Indiana was a team that I don't want to say, you know, happy to be here, whatever, like, but they just seem to love every moment of it. They don't take for granted going to a bowl game or anything like that. And it was really special. And there are other times that it's just, you know, you could see that the, whether it's just that the players go to bowl games every year or that it's not where they had their sights set maybe four or five weeks earlier in the season. Yeah. Last year was interesting because 
Wisconsin and Miami was actually a rematch of the previous year's yep. Orange Bowl um, here at Yankee Stadium. But, you know, I just got done going through the the rosters of every, you know, pinstripe bowl team that is played here and matching it up with the active NFL rosters. And if nothing else, I mean, you're literally guaranteed to see future NFL players here at Yankee Stadium. In oh, the for sure. Bowl. For sure. I know that for a lot of fans... You know, with their team, when, you know, they hear about, you know, certain seniors or whatever who aren't playing the game, I know that there's an instinct sometimes to get a little bummed out. I'm always totally on the other side when it comes to bowl games. What I want is to see next year's team. I, I, I fully believe that what the NCAA should do for bowl games is to make seniors ineligible to play in the bowl unless they absolutely want to. But really what seniors can do is like coach and do all the ancillary activities with the bowl, but have fun in the field and just like do silly things, whatever. But what I want to see is those freshman redshirt players. I want to see them getting into the action without losing the redshirts or anything like that. And that I know for me as a Michigan fan who has headed into bowl season disappointed each of the last my entire life, basically, because of losing to Ohio State, I always would much rather watch, you know, those redshirt players go out there than... You know, the guys who are trying not to get hurt in their last game before they go to the draft. So, yeah, but even those guys, like, they wouldn't give it up for anything. I mean, to, I've spoken to a bunch of these, you know, participants and guys who are seniors. I, I love watching them play in this game because it means so much to them to be able to go out there with their teammates one last time. Like, these guys who they've been, you know, battling with for four or five years sometimes in the trenches in the practices through the cold in the snow and it's like this is the reward you know the game is the reward for that and so you know in this year's program we have a a story uh with a guy who was here last year with wisconsin michael dieter he was a four-year starter on the offensive line at wisconsin and this year as a rookie in the nfl he started every game on the offensive line for the miami dolphins and, you know, he, he was like an All-American. He knew he was getting drafted, but he said there was no way he wasn't going to play in that game last year because for that very reason, you know, those are like his brothers out there. They're his family, and he couldn't imagine not playing with them one last time. I think I did a bad job explaining what I mean. I'm totally <laughs> in it for the players who want to play in the game. By all means, play. What I don't like is when you see the guys who, for in my opinion, good reason, say that, you know, they're going to sit this one out or whatever, and the fans beat them up about it, or the media beats them up about it. Like, I disagree. Like, let the person who doesn't want to play in the game because there's a massive financial penalty possibly for playing in it, let that person choose not to play in it. I would, I'd love to see seniors either playing or having fun and doing anything they want to do down there, and I want to see young players in these games. And especially, you know, when you're getting, you know, the fifth or sixth or seventh Big Ten or ACC team down here, you're, you hope these are teams that are on on the rise. Mm-hmm. And that happens because of the players lower on the depth chart getting older. And so I know if I were a fan of one of these teams, I would want to see some of those guys getting a chance to uh, see the field here at Yankee Stadium. But whatever it is, what we're hard at work on right now is this pinstripe bowl program because, you know, it's always kind of funny, I think. What do you do in the offseason? What do you do in the offseason? It must be so dead. And look, it's quieter. And we don't have a game tonight, um, but we're pretty busy in the offseason. We got a lot of stuff on our plates right now. Yeah, thankfully so. You know, the, the bowl game has been, uh, it's really been a lot of fun. I'm glad that we do it. They always are, are quick to mention that this was George Steinbrenner's kind of dream. You know, when we built the new Yankee Stadium, he really wanted to have college football return here. Um, it had been a long time uh, since Yankee Stadium hosted college football, so uh, I'm really glad that they brought it back. We've seen some great games and some great teams, and it's just fun. 
the pinstripe bowl for years and years. It was like always an overtime game or a one possession game or everything like this. And I, I'm, I'm a little bit of a sucker for this idea of a different bowl game. You have so many bowl games that look exactly the same that you, there's no way to differentiate between like the Gator Bowl and the Outback Bowl and the Citrus Bowl and even, you know, any of these. You know, the Pinstripe Bowl is different. I liked it as cold. I wanted to be as cold as possible. I loved, what was it, two years ago, Iowa, Boston College, when the field was completely frozen and the players like had to go in and change their cleats because they were sliding all around the field. I'm sure the players didn't love that, but... You know, it's different. It's fun. It, it makes it unique in the bowl landscape. And when you see the pictures, you know, when they do the montages on ESPN after all the bowls and, you know, all of them kind of look the same. And then they show one, you know, line of scrimmage, both sides of it with the, you know, the air coming out of the nostrils and in the in the face masks and things like that. You know, oh, that's the pin triple right there. I think that's cool. Yeah. And look, I mean, it's a it's a special venue. I mean, obviously, we have our feelings about Yankee Stadium and what it means but even to like a a kid who grew up in the Midwest playing football who doesn't even follow baseball whatsoever knows the name Yankee Stadium and uh you know it's just the history here and the tradition here it's it's something you can tell your your grandkids about oh I played at Yankee Stadium and you know uh I I mentioned the game here a couple weeks ago between Dartmouth and Princeton and that game was held here to kind of celebrate the 150th anniversary of college football so a lot of like you know, sort of football luminaries were here that day. Roger Goodell, the NFL commissioner, was here. And I had a chance to speak with Archie Manning, you know, who played quarterback at, at Ole Miss 50 years ago and had a long NFL career and, of course, uh, <laughs> raised a few NFL quarterbacks uh, as well. A couple. Yeah. You know, he still vividly remembers the first time he played at Yankee Stadium. It was with the Saints in 1972, and he remembered all the details about it and was telling me how, uh, you know, having grown up in the 50s, even in Mississippi, you know, the Yankees were the team back then. So he was a Yankee fan growing up, and when he played baseball, he wore number 10 because of Tony Kubek. And, uh, you know, the morning of the game against the Giants, uh, he, he said him and one of his teammates, like, skipped the morning meal and, and came out here early so they could go see the monuments and just take in the stadium. And I was like, wow, that's how cool is that? And, you know, here we are in 2019. And, uh, you know, a lot of the players that will come here at the end of the month from from whichever schools are, are going to have that same sort of feeling. But obviously, it's not just football we have on the brain right now. This is actually a time of year when we all kind of, whether it's looking at our wish list that we just went over or just looking at what our editors assigned to us, you know, this is a great time of year to spend some time on the road. You know, I just was lucky enough to get a couple days out west uh, with Aaron Judge for a story we're going to do in 2020. You know, it's always different. You, you spend a lot of time around these guys, kind of looking at them, whether on the field or in batting practice or in the clubhouse. But, you know, even when you're talking to them in the clubhouse, it's not like being in their hometown or kind of whether if you're lucky going to the, you know, their mom's house or something like that and really getting to sit down and experience who this person really is. We're very lucky. Obviously the players are hugely busy during the season and no one is obligated to let us in during their off season. If they don't want to, they shouldn't have us there, but the guys who are willing to give us a little bit of time. I know for me, it always that stuff, even if it doesn't make it into the direct story, it probably makes it into the next story. You know, these guys aren't necessarily media professionals yet, but they are professional baseball players. They know way more about baseball than I do, no matter what we might think. And the more time you spend with them, I always know the more I learn. These are my favorite stories to read and my favorite stories to write. 
you, you come back and you just have such a better sense of who they are and you have all this wonderful material to work with. And, you know, they're the type of stories that I think just humanize these guys. So it was a good trip, I, I imagine. It was, you know, it, it was Aaron is a very nice guy. And you, you've always seen that in the way that he interacts with people that he almost had to learn how to say no in his rookie year because people were asking too much of him. And yet if you watch him around kids during batting practice, if you watch him when he's warming up, you know, in the outfield and throwing the ball around, I I mentioned this a bunch of times when I was out there in Fresno with him to different people that if you blindfolded him and put three people in front of him, he could like point right away to the youngest one. He just is a magnet for kids. And, you know, seeing that, when there's no cameras around and when it's not about showing off, not not that you, anyone really thought this was who he was, but it really just confirms that it's not what he was. There are times that he had no idea I was watching as he's going around, you know, working at his baseball camp he does for kids, working with all these, you know, young kids. And maybe the camera wasn't on him at that point and he was kind of had some what he thought was private time, but you still see that exact same sense of who he is. And then you talk to everybody from his life and okay, tell me how Aaron's changed. And they all laugh because he hasn't changed. Hmm. And one thing that I really love, and this is something I'm going to explore a lot in the story, is he spent a lot of time with his Fresno State teammates while I was out there. And I saw them interacting. And I don't know if I've ever seen another major league player interact with people with as little distance between them. You know, he's nine feet tall. He's, you know, Aaron Judge. He's New York superstar Aaron Judge. And he's talking to, you know, a former pitcher on his team, whatever, who's, you know, now doing real estate in the, you know, Central Valley in in California. And you would have no idea which one was the superstar and which one had a great college career. And that was it. And and, and it's remarkable to see. And it's a credit to who he is. And that's what I'm looking forward to writing about. And again, that's the type of thing that you don't necessarily see in the stadium. You think it in the stadium and you expect that's probably who that person is from being observed and being around the stadium. But when you see it actually happen, it's pretty special. And that's what I love about doing this stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll have other stories like that coming down the pike for sure. I know uh, a couple of the other guys have been out and about as well. Hard at work. No off season here for sure. A quiet season, but no off season. Yeah. (laughs) So as we said, this uh, is our last regular episode of the Yankees Magazine podcast that we're going to do in 2019. Our next episode, it's going to be all about you guys. Yankees Magazine podcast mailbag episode. Please get your questions in. Again, if we read your question in the on the air, you will get two free tickets to a select 2020 game. All you gotta do is ask the question. You might not think it's that interesting to you, but it might you know inspire a great conversation among us that we want to put it in there. So send them podcast at yankees.com. And again, please check out yankees.com slash publications to pick up our holiday offers. They make an amazing gift. I can't stress this enough if you are going to buy tickets to a 2020 yankees game you might as well do it in the form that gets you a subscription to yankees magazine as well there's no reason not to you will not find cheaper tickets from the yankees to a 2020 game follow us on twitter at yanks magazine we're gonna put more offers on there and a few reminders about these mailback episodes and we'll speak to you in two weeks thanks so much for sticking with us through the 2019 season i know that there were a lot of highs that we got to share with you There were some disappointing moments that we kind of had to talk through together, but I know I speak for myself. I think I speak for everyone else in this group when I say I love doing this. I love getting the chance to informally without, you know, going through nine rounds of edits to just talk about some of this stuff 
I've had a great season doing it. I can't wait for 2020. Nate, I wish you the best in the new year. Likewise. Thanks, John. Have a good one, everyone. We'll speak to you in two weeks. Bye now. Hi, this is Aaron Hicks. For more stories like this one, subscribe by visiting yankees.com slash publications or by calling 800-GO-YANKS. The Yankees Magazine Podcast is also brought to you by MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand with MLB.tv. Your subscription includes MLB at Bat Premium, allowing you to stream live baseball on your favorite supported devices. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.